0: In Phantom Menace, you're watching these two Jedi in their prime fight this evil villain. Maul couldn't be more obviously the villain. He's designed to look evil, and he is evil. And he just expresses that from his face all the way out through the type of lightsaber he fights with. What's at stake is really how Anakin's going to turn out. Because Qui-Gon is different than the rest of the Jedi. And you get that in the movie. And Qui-Gon is fighting because he knows he's the father that Anakin needs. Because Qui-Gon hasn't given up on the fact that Jedi are supposed to actually care and, and love and that that's not a bad thing. The rest of the Jedi are so detached and they've become so political that they've really lost their way. Mm-hmm. And Yoda starts to see that in the second film. But Qui-Gon is ahead of them all. And that's why he's not part of the council. So he's fighting for Anakin. And that's why it's the duel of the fates. It's the fate of this child. And depending on how this fight goes, Anakin is gonna, his life is gonna be dramatically different. Welcome
1: everyone from across the universe. To the Wampas Lair Podcast.
0: Star Wars is for everyone. So pull up a chair, get comfortable, and join the conversation with your hosts, Carl Leclerc and Jason Hunt. Here in the Wampas Lair. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to a special episode of the Wampa's Lair podcast. I am one of your hosts, Carl LeClaire, and I am joined by one of my favorite Star Wars friends in all the galaxy, all the way from Norway, just just south of the ice planet of Hoth. We got our buddy, Jazz Kopachek Rathor. What's up, Jazz? What is up, Carl? How are you doing? Long time no see. <laughs> I haven't seen you in like... 16 hours. (laughs) I know. I I missed you so much. I was like, Jazz, why don't you come do a podcast with me? Hell yeah. (laughs) Anything to do with
1: Star Wars, I'm in.
0: (laughs) So I've been wanting to talk about this little sermon that Dave Filoni gave at the end of the most recent episode of Gallery, the 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 behind-the-scenes look at Mandalorian, because I think all of us, every Star Wars fan is just like losing it over what Dave Filoni had to say as that episode kind of... Wound down for the last 10 minutes, I and mean, he goes for about 10 full yeah, minutes. He
1: goes on for quite a while, and you can see that all the other people that are sitting around the table is like around six or eight of them, and they're just in awe of what he's saying. And like it's just flowing over them and flowing over them, and they realize this guy is the only person on the planet, bar George Lucas, who actually understands this. It. Yes, it's, oh, yeah, it, it, it just gave me chills. It's giving me chills now just <laughs> thinking about it.
0: Yeah. So I just I really wanted to just like shoot out a like kind of a quick episode. And and Jazz was nice enough to join me all the way from across the world Um, just to talk a little bit about some of the stuff that Dave Floney talked about, specifically at the end of the episode here and kind of its implications. And also Jazz has something that he shared with me uh, like a week ago that I'm super enamored with that I wanted him to talk about on the air. So you could all hear about this awesome little, uh, I don't know, like Star Wars gift Jazz kind of brings to the community. Um, so jazz and I are part of a little book club, uh, with Joe Hogan, who probably several of you know, who did all the artwork for the podcast and, um, another friend of ours named Joe as it happens. Um, and we've been reading, uh, we did uh, labyrinth of evil. We just did the revenge of the Sith novel and now we're about to start dark Lord rise of Darth Vader novel. Um, so yep. we're all getting together like every couple of weeks and just hanging out mm. again, it's just something fun to do, especially with what's going on in the world right now. Got a lot of time to read. Yes, we do a lot of time to read. And it's great to just like chat and, and and reconnect because we don't, we don't do this when life is so busy. Um, but, uh, jazz shared something with us last time we were all hanging out. We were actually watching attack of the clones. And, uh, I was just so in love with this little thing that jazz has. So we're going to talk about that at the end. Um, but, uh, jazz dude, the, the one thing I noticed that Dave Filoni says kind of at the start of this behind the scenes episode, um, and and this is this is why I think so much of the Star Wars fan community loves him is the way he talks about Star Wars and George Lucas in particular there is just such a ardent respect for yeah. all of Star Wars right I mean we still live in a there's still several people in the Star Wars fan community who are like, oh I don't do the prequels or oh I don't do the sequels now or right there's always that's not all fans but but Filoni just, he loves the magic and wonder of what George Lucas created. And he just, I think
1: that's the most important word that he said there is created. I think that George, no, that George, uh, Dave Filoni has such a respect for the fact that George Lucas is the creator. He is the maker of the Star Wars universe. And, he has, you know, he's said several times before that he learned at the feet of the maker, you know, and so he has learned everything firsthand and he has utmost respect for the man. And it's you, you can tell it through every word that he says.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's why we are all just so drawn to him. Right. He just he loves it all. And he sees the story as one complete story. Uh, mm. And uh yeah, so I want to talk about some of the things that he, he kind of brings up. In this, in this little, I, I'm literally calling it the Dave Filoni sermon because it's, it's. I felt yeah. like I was at church, and it was great.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, I think, um, You know, it's, it's what we need as Star Wars fans are more people that create Star Wars who actually understand Star Wars,
0: right? Like, like you said, though, F- uh, Filoni just he really, really understands Star Wars, and and that's a loaded term right now, right? I mean, it's a very subjective thing to say they understand Star Wars. Um, Because Star Wars means so many different things, Um, but Filoni – I think Filoni broke open how he understands Star Wars so well in this little reflection he gives at the end of that episode, right? These connection points he makes across Phantom Menace to Return of the Jedi shows how he understands the full mythos. Um, So. You know, Jazz.
1: Funny thing is, like I've always said that the fight between Obi Wan and Maul is my favorite lightsaber fight, but I've never thought of it in those terms, right? Like when he told me that or said all that stuff, I was like, it it was an epiphany. It really was.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, and and before we even dig into the to the fruits of of that particular concept of of the Duel of the Fates. I also want to point out how he starts the statement by saying, and I love this, he talks about how the prequel trilogy had this impossible task to tell the story of Anakin Skywalker, to tell the story of the Jedi in kind of their glory days 20 years after this original story had been told. I mean, We already know how it ends. Right. Yeah. And I think Filoni points out there in a really incredible way that all these Star Wars fans had their understanding. They had their own headcanon of what that looked like, what Anakin's story looked like, what the the old Republic looked like, what the Jedi looked like. And obviously, like we, we all know. I mean, I didn't know it as much at the time because I was a kid and Internet isn't what it is today. But there were a lot of people that did not like Phantom Menace and the prequel trilogy in general. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, because cool. it didn't feed their headcanon. And I would say that the same is still true with the sequels, right? The people that really seem to disparage the sequels, they disparage it because it doesn't match their vision. Um, and, and while that's a valid point, like you're, you're welcome to have your own theories and where you want the story to go, the story's not yours. You, we're mm-hmm. not the creators, right? You and I aren't creators. We're just consumers of the where story. We're the audience. Yeah. Um, we should just
1: be happy with what we get, really.
0: Right. And I and I think um so I, I just I love that he gives us that framework because there are a lot of people who still just, you know, want to spend so much time disparaging parts of the sequels, whether it's Last Jedi or Rise of Skywalker or both. <laughs> um right, like I, I i think it's it's just the truth of what Filoni talks about right at the beginning there is is that we all bring our headcanon, we all bring our desires of what we want the story to be. Um and sometimes it doesn't match that. Um, but we have to like kind of trust that these creators know what they're doing. Know what and, they're doing, and Dave Filoni especially really seems to understand this story. Yeah. Um, so the one thing that
1: um, strikes me with the uh, Mandalorian, as opposed to the sequel trilogy, is it feels so much more in the same universe yeah. as the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy, because the sequel trilogy. It introduces new concepts, and the prequel trilogy did also introduce new concepts, new species, new kind of ships and planets. But it felt like it was the same galaxy in a way that the sequel trilogy doesn't do. It's They try to be a bit too much of a new thing. Um, George Lucas, he always tried to introduce new stuff, whether it was new technology, whether it was new species, new planets but he always tied it up to things that already existed in the star Wars mythos. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it became a, a whole that's all tied together in a way that I don't feel the sequel trilogy did, but I find the Mandalorian series absolutely does.
0: Yeah. I think, um, yeah, I, you know, I mean, I think the sequel trilogy does a good job of continuing the story um, I don't think it's perfect, but nothing is. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think Mandalorian it taps into that taps into a part of the Star Wars lore that really speaks to all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so interesting because I think one of the central themes of Mandalorian is this central theme of Din Djarin becoming a father figure, right? Um, taking care of the child. Yeah. And, um, what I love about that is is kind of how no wonder Dave Filoni brought a theme like that to the show. When you hear him talk about Duel of the Fates,
1: exactly, right? he talks about how Obi Wan isn't really the father figure that Qui Gon could have been. He's more like a brother figure, and then later on, Anakin has to take on that father figure role towards Luke and take responsibility for who he is and his role in the galaxy. And so the whole aspect or the whole idea of fathers and sons is a crucial part of the Star Wars mythology. And they have been introduced to just like you said, with the Mandalorian and the ba- and baby Yoda.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, but so that, that notion that he talks about with Duel of the fates, it, that, that title of that musical piece, right. Um, has always to me just meant, Oh it's the battle of good versus evil which is true um but he made it so personal right we we often talk about uh, so like right before he he starts talking about this he he mentions the duel between Vader and Obi-Wan in a new hope and how ultimately it's not the most exciting fight to watch um but what's at stake is what's important right it's this old master and and his old apprentice but they're also fighting over um pre- you know Obi-Wan's fighting to preserve Luke's life um, so what makes a great Star Wars duel, a great Star Wars lightsaber fight, um, is the emotional stakes, right? Mm-hmm. And I it's think
1: not necessarily the acrobatics, it's actually the underlying ideas.
0: Exactly. And Duel of the Fates, in my mind it kind of always was just like it was just that traditional good versus evil fight. And it is, I mean, it's, it continues to be my favorite duel because of the acrobatics, <laughs> to be fair. I mean, it's the, it's, the, it's the flash and the bells and the whistles that always draw me to that particular duel. But now I feel like Dave Filoni has given me a heart to it as well, right? Um, I mean, there is heart to the final part of the fight, which is my favorite when it's just Obi-Wan versus Maul. It's so mm. intense. Um, so, yeah. And that's when it does become, to me, up to up till this point, it became emotional because Obi-Wan's fighting um, really in response to this, this creature killing his master. Um, but what Filoni does, because if you notice, the, the majority of the duel is Qui-Gon versus Maul, right? Um, and Qui-Gon has already fought Maul once. Um, the Obi-Wan Maul stuff is actually quite short. And goes really fast and goes really fast and it's great
1: (laughs) Um, so intense it's like faster more intense yes
0: to the extreme (laughs) faster more intense on steroids
1: (laughs) absolutely
0: but he gives us a heart for qui-gon in the fight right the fact that this is him fighting specifically for anakin Mm. and the fate of anakin is what is at stake
1: what is at stake exactly yeah
0: i never ever thought of that had you
1: me neither. No, not at all. So when he said that, like I said earlier, it was an epiphany, it just like hit me like a ton of bricks. And I had to rewind and listen to that part over again. I was like, "Holy crap! That is so good. <laughs> oh, it's just so good." And and it's yeah. so cool that that you know Dave Filoni. I don't know if George Lucas told him or if he just understood it, but the fact that he then shares it with us and it's like this whole. You know, moment of realization for all of us as well. It's just like, yes, yeah. oh, it's so good.
0: Yes, exactly. Um, and I and I love the notion of him introducing the fact that Qui Gon was a father figure to Anakin, right? And it's mm-hmm. and Anakin or and Qui Gon could see himself that way because he wasn't like the Council, right? He he's really points out it, and this is why so many of us yeah. love Qui Gon. Everyone
1: points that out to him. It's like, you know, if you'd just be a bit more like them, you'd be on the Council. But he doesn't want to be like them. Right.
0: Right. Yeah. And like he says, you know, Qui-Gon is someone who understands the importance of compassion and love and caring for people directly. Um, And that's really what makes him stand apart from the council. Um, So. It's, you know, in when Qui-Gon takes Anakin away from Shmi. Those implications are huge. I think Qui-Gon Ooh. knows probably the struggles. I mean, he, he can't know it completely because he himself has never experienced it. But I think he understands that this is going to be a difficult journey for Anakin. And that's why he is kind of this father. In the, you know, the moment in Phantom Menace that always makes me now, well, always now. I mean, I've been thinking about this for the past, what, 24 hours? But <laughs> um, <laughs> but it, it has also helped me really deepen my love and appreciation for that little moment, right? Right. When Anakin goes to pack his bag, and Qui Gon comes up behind Shmi and and says, "You know, I'll look after him. You have yeah. my word." And he puts his hand on her shoulder. Like there is this, I've always felt that that scene has a little bit of chemistry, right? Like there is, there is a, I don't, I don't want to necessarily say romantic, but there is definitely a draw.
1: There's a lot of trust between the two of them.
0: Yeah, and
1: in but that, I think you know, you know Qui Gon also realizes that. It's going to be a difficult journey for Anakin, but it's going to be a difficult journey for him, Qui-Gon, as well, like, you know, training him as a Padawan. And he doesn't, of course, realize that he's going to be dead a few days later, killed at Darth Maul's hands. But he's taking on this responsibility as a father figure, and he says, okay, I'm going to be responsible for this kid's upbringing as a Jedi. Yeah. And then things just go south and obi-wan is thrust with this like you know last dying wishes like you've got to train this boy and he's like yes of course master of course i will uh but he's not ready to do that right and And so it's unfair for everyone it's unfair for qui-gon it's unfair for obi-wan it's unfair for anakin like nobody gets a fair deal out of this
0: right and i think um i think like when qui-gon is killed um First of all, I don't think Qui Gon expected to lose the fight, right? Well, I mean, I don't think anybody ever. Nobody, well, it's not a good fighter's mentality to ever go into a fight thinking you're going to lose. (laughs) Um, Of course. I mean, you know, if Dwayne Johnson shows up at my door for a fist fight, I know I'm going to lose that fight. Um, But. uh, (laughs) Anyone
1: shows up at my door wanting a fist fight, I'm going to (laughs) lose.
0: Yeah, also fair. (laughs) But, um, right. So I think Qui Gon, when he is struck down. I think the reason it's so important to him, though, that he entrusts Anakin to Obi-Wan is because I think he also would like to believe that he has rubbed off enough on Obi-Wan that he'll have a proper mode of training Anakin, right? Like it's almost Mm. like he doesn't trust anybody else to do this special task, right? He's hoping that Obi-Wan will have enough Qui-Gon within him that he is the right choice.
1: Here's a question for you that occurred to me the other day. Do you think any other Jedi would have done a better job than Obi-Wan?
0: Yes. Who? Dooku. But he's no longer a Jedi. He was at that time though, right? Oh no, I guess he had just no, left. No, he wasn't. Was, Remember right. he was already, uh, yeah, that's he was true. already a Sith. He'd already, yeah, he'd already left. Well, I don't think he was a Sith quite yet. But he, no, no, he, but he had left, he'd left Jedi, the Jedi Order. Right? Yeah. Um, well, that's a good point. So I guess not Dooku. Um, because I don't think Yoda would have done it. Definitely not Mace Windu. Definitely not Mace Windu. Yeah, I think we're a deaf Plo, Plo Koon, the way Plo Koon Plo is Koon kind of developed yeah, in possibly. Clone Wars, right? The way he interacts with Ahsoka, I could see yeah, him doing yeah. doing a very good job with it. Um but
1: yeah, that's very obi Wan is like the perfect Jedi. Like, you know, so in many ways he was a perfect one to train Anakin, but also he's a bit too stuck in his way. Yeah. And so he wasn't like lenient enough with, with Anakin.
0: Yeah. So well, think, yeah. think of that moment when Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan are talking, when Jar Jar goes to find, um, you know, the Gungans and they're standing by the water. It's towards, you know, kind of towards the end of the movie. And it's, it, to me, it's yep. like, it's the reconciling moment when Obi-Wan kind of reconciles with Qui-Gon because they've kind of been at odds for much of the middle of the movie. Um, but Qui-Gon says, you know, uh, you're a much wiser man than I. I foresee you will be a great Jedi Knight. I think Obi- yeah. Qui Gon believed in Obi Wan, so him entrusting Anakin to him as he dies is that there is that real belief there that Obi Wan. is
1: I think, the- I think actually he really did believe in him. Otherwise, he would say, "Make sure that he gets trained," rather than "I want you to train him."
0: Right, right, yeah, and but sadly, Obi Wan does it out of an initially. I mean, he says yes out of an, this obligation to a promise. Mm-hmm. But it's not any. It's not because of any sort of love and care for Anakin specifically, no. right?
1: I think didn't uh, didn't. Not, I only saw this yesterday, but didn't uh, Dave Filoni also compare Anakin to George R. Binks that he was another useless creature that we've picked up along the way? Exactly. So yeah. he doesn't actually have the same confidence in Anakin that Qui Gon did,
0: right? Right. Um. Yeah. So. so yeah.
1: Anakin actually gets dealt the short end of the stick there as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Well, and then, you know, he kind of brings it full circle by the way he connects it to Return of the Jedi um, in the sense that he says, right, um, at the end there, Anakin comes back out of love for his son. He finally, he chooses to be the father he never had, Mm -hmm. right? Because Qui-Gon would have been that father had he survived. Um, but since he doesn't have that father figure, he kind of never knew how to be one either. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of in that. Become
1: something if you don't have the role model to become that yeah. thing a person.
0: Right. So, right. So he, he, so what Dave Filoni basically did in a matter of five to six minutes is tell the star Wars story, tell the story of Anakin Skywalker. Right. I'm and
1: blow people's minds.
0: Yeah. Um, there's one thing he said in there too, that got me really excited. Cause I felt that it connected really well to episode nine, even though Dave Filoni didn't bring this in explicitly, but he talks about how, when he was a kid, the line that always terrified him in return of the Jedi was when the emperor says, you like your father are now mine. Yeah. Yeah. And he talks about how he's like, you know, that terrified me as a kid thinking that this evil being could possess my father. Right. And, and, and how scary that is and talks right. And then he kind of expounds on the reality that Sidious has always just used people, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Maul was a tool. Um, Dooku was a tool. Anakin was even a tool. Like everything mm-hmm. was a tool to his own ends. And it, when he was saying that, I immediately thought of, um, I think this is a great moment in, in Rise of Skywalker, which is when Finn is telling Poe how Ochi of Bastoon was supposed to take this little girl to the emperor. He wanted her alive. And then mm-hmm. Poe audibly gasps and there's this look of fear on his face. And it's the same thing. Like he wanted he to, put... to use
1: her as a tool, once again.
0: Yes. An innocent child, right? And he obviously first put his hooks in Anakin as a child. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's something sick and perverted there. I will be watching your career with great interest. <laughs> yeah. Pervert. You know, like yeah. And, and I and I don't mean pervert in a sexually perverted way. I mean, but he perverts him, right? There's a perversion there and it's the same desire he had for this little girl, Ray and the sequel trilogy. Um, and Filoni points out how the one thing that the emperor can never foresee and never understands is that Anakin still has the ability to love, that he has the ability to have compassion on his son. and, Right, that's where the Emperor is always short-sighted, and I'd say the same is true for the end there of of Episode Nine. Mm-hmm. The Emperor did not expect Ben Solo to show up. Right, he does not expect yeah. the love that Ben has for Rey, whatever that love might mean and be. Like I, that's a topic for another day, whether it's romantic or not. I don't honestly care. Um, but there is obviously love there from Ben for Rey, and it draws him to her. And because of that, she knows she's not alone and she's able to do this, right? And once again, the Emperor can't understand it. And and I think it does such a perfect job of cycling how the Emperor is similar to Maul in that way, right? Maul never grows beyond his hatred, um, right? People have always compared him to Icarus. You know, whenever he he gets the, the rock to the top of the mountain, it just rolls back down. The Emperor, in the same way, never grows. Between episode six and episode nine, He's still at the heart the same emperor. He's totally incapable of understanding the power of love because he doesn't know it at all. He's devoid of that.
1: And you've got like the the thing that basically saves them is love and the other thing that Dave Filoni mentioned, which is hope. Like hope is so crucial and central to not just like the survival, but the whole Star Wars saga is hope and And even outside the uh, the saga, like you know rogue one, it's all about hope,
0: yeah, absolutely, yeah, and and that's how we kind hope
1: of acts families like fathers and sons, fathers and daughters, mothers and sons, whatever,
0: yeah, um and that's how we kind of... Cl- and I love that you brought that up jazz because right that's how Filoni's little sermon kind of comes to its end is. He talks about how at its core, at, right, Star Wars is always about heart, it's, right? The, the X-Wings and the lightsabers, right, the bells and the whistles. They look cool, exactly. Right. But there's
1: something deeper underlying that is actually essential and crucial to the Star Wars saga, yeah. to Star Wars experience.
0: Yeah. And I would say, you know, the, the the toys, the X-Wings, the lightsabers, they draw us in as kids because they're fun and exciting, but what keeps but it's us? But
1: mythology that George Lucas created. That's what actually keeps us there. Because exactly. like, if not, we probably would have grown out of it when we were
0: twelve. Right. I
1: would have gone on to other things. I think was it John Favreau that said that when he was like thirteen, fourteen, he went over to Mad Max and yeah, uh, on Thunderdome and stuff like that. And that's what we would have done. But the whole thing is, there's something about Star Wars that keeps on drawing us back and drawing us in and keeping us there and kept coming back to us. And that is the mythology. Right. The mythology is so deep that George uh, the Uh, Campbellian mythology of the, the hero of a thousand faces.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to, I'm going to plug really quick since you brought Campbell in directly. Um, My buddy, Greg just did a great uh, YouTube um, uh, video about the Campbellian, the Campbellian myth, the hero's journey. Um, uh, Greg is an incredibly intelligent uh, college professor who teaches the hero's journey in his course. So he, he just, he understands it very, very well. So, um, if if any of you who are listening right now, you've probably heard me mention my buddy Greg before. Uh he's on Twitter at IonCanon. I'd really recommend checking out his video. It's superb. And he does it to analyze the journey of Ray, which is extra superb. Um huh? So anyway, but yeah, you're absolutely right, Jazz, right? I mean, this is what keeps us coming back 20, 30 years later as adults now, right? Like, yeah, we still enjoy the X-Wings and the lightsabers, but what keeps us here, what gives us the ability to have conversations like this is that mythology that George created for us.
1: Mm.
0: Um, But yeah, right? So it, it's so funny because like the way Filoni kind of closes out here – Literally, it reminds me of a sermon because a sermon always ends like it's I mean, a good sermon always ends in a way that has you now looking outside the door of like, okay, what am I going to go do with this message I just heard? Right. It should be inspiring. And that's how Dave kind of finishes his, um, you know, his little remarks here is he talks about how Star Wars is a story that should uplift us, inspire us and give us hope. Right. So these are kind of the three. Uh, the three buzzwords, if you will, uplift, inspire, hope. Right. And, and Filoni talks about how that's at the heart of every good star Wars story. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And he, he, he obviously like, you know, quotes something that George tells him every time he still talks to him. You know, George always says to make these stories hopeful, remember to give All that to kids. kids because they need it.
1: Exactly. Right?
0: Um, yeah. so I'm part of this, uh, this church congregation that my friend is the pastor of And she always closes with this beautiful closing prayer that she kind of she changes up the language a bit from the traditional language. But she says and protect the the joyful because they need it. And I just I love that reality. Right. Because we live in a very stark world sometimes um, and especially right now with all that's going on. It's so important that we get these stories of hope um, and not just as kids. Right. Um,
1: Adults need hope and joy as much as kids do. Yeah. Maybe even more.
0: Right. And yeah. So like the way he kind of just closes out his remarks, I thought were absolutely beautiful to remind us that star mm-hmm. Wars should uplift us, inspire us and give us hope, so, you know? And I think if for whatever reason, parts of the story don't do that for you, just move on to the ones that do right. Rather uh, than like being spending all your time, like, Oh, last Jedi I <laughs> sucked. I'm going to just keep talking about how it sucked or like screw rise of Skywalker. It's stupid. My all mom right, it,
1: has always said, like, if you don't like something, don't bitch and moan about it. Talk about the good things and just leave it alone. It's like, yeah. okay, cool. If you yeah. don't have anything positive to say about something, don't say anything at all.
0: Right. Exactly. And, th- and you know, and um, that also reminded me of, uh, remember how Colbert gave the kind of opening monologue at the episode nine panel Last year's celebration, yep. Yep. the one thing I'll, that stuck with me ever since then that I love that he said, because it to me it hits the heart of, again, Star Wars, just like Filoni reflected on, is he said that Star Wars um, is a story that we escape in, but we, es- we escape into it and it inspires us to come back into the world and make it mm. a better place. And I think that's the whole point of Star Wars. And that's why Dave Filoni loves it so much. And that's what he's doing with Star Wars. The stories he's tr- choosing to tell, the stories he's writing, are ones that he's trying to use to inspire us, uplift us, and give us hope. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah. oh, Good stuff, huh? <laughs>
1: Very good stuff. Like, I, I can't believe it. It was like, I, like I said, I saw that yesterday. I was like blown away. So good.
0: So good. Um now, just the
1: best behind the scenes documentary i've seen in years
0: I totally agree totally agree And the whole thing too not just i mean we're obviously just highlighting the end part there, but mm-hmm. they all had such brilliant stuff to reflect Absolutely. on um every one of those creators you know deborah chow um uh, uh john favreau um oh my gosh i'm f-
1: Taiko Waititi,
0: Rick, Ty, Ty, Attiti, Rick Famu, I don't know how to say his last name. Femulian? Yeah. Um, yeah. right. But they all, and, and even Carl Weathers talking about the hero's journey. Oh, um, and then uh, Ron Howard's daughter. Um, oh, D- Bryce Dallas Howard. There you go. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and one of the things I loved Pedro Pascal said, right, who actually plays Mandalorian is about how the Star Wars story is always meant to reflect the diversity of the world around us right? Yeah. And and Mandalorian is really being intentional about that. Star Wars continues to be intentional because George was always intentional about that. That yeah. Star Wars is powerful because while it's a totally different world, it's a reflection of ours. Yeah. Um, we yes. don't tell our stories in a vacuum. They're impacted by the world around us. Um, but yeah, it was just ugh. like you said, Jazz, it, the whole thing was fantastic. Um, but before we wrap this up, I want to talk to you about something that uh, like you gave me like, it's just been such a gem in how I've come to under to come to love star Wars. Um, so we were talking when we were watching attack of the clones the other weekend, you're making notes. And I was like, jazz, yep. what are you doing? And you're like, this is my star Wars journal.
1: Yep. Um, so basically I've got a book that I got from my grandmother back in 1997. It actually says 20 years of star Wars, 1977 to 1997. And I started writing little notes about Star Wars, things that I thought were interesting or fun or just facts I thought people didn't actually know. And then after a while I divided it into six parts. And it was the Phantom Menace, Attack of Clones, Revenge of the Sith, New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of Jedi. And then in recent years I've added the Clone Wars. And so every time I watch one of the movies or watch the Clone Wars, I see or hear something that I think is interesting, I'll jot it down. If there's something that I'm not quite sure about, I'll write a question and I'll research it later. And then so for example, the other day we watched Attack of the Clones and I wrote down the name of the actor who played all the adult clones. Um, I wrote down the fact that the opening sequence, I thought this was pretty interesting, is upside down. It's the only one where the planet is upside down. I think it might be because it reflects the fact that the world of the Jedi and Anakin and Obi-Wan is turned upside down. So everything is turned upside down. And so I just like write down little observations and questions and fun stuff.
0: How long have you been doing that?
1: The first notes I wrote back in the late nineties, man,
0: that's so cool. Yeah. So how old were you then in like the late nineties? If you're, if you're sharing seven, I was 19. Okay. Jazz is a bit older than me, for y'all. I was uh, born in seventy eight, so okay. I just missed seventy seven. Nice.
1: Um, um, but... I saw I saw Return of the Jedi when I was five years old in the theater with my mom. Do you remember? Uh, I remember that. I remember that like so clearly, like the green pig dudes. They were like, amazing. Um, I thought I thought stormtroopers were robots. I thought Darth Vader was a robot and I was like blown away when he took his helmet off and there was a guy inside. Um that what was a, like
0: what a great Christmas, I
1: just remember watching that when I was a kid. And you know, I write down all kinds of ideas and questions all the time.
0: And, and I love that, man. That's that's so awesome. Because and this is this is the This is why i connect with you so well jazz like as 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 friends specifically friends because of star wars i would not know you if it weren't for star wars right i met you through joe hogan at a star wars convention um and the thing about you that i love jazz is how you are incredibly fun and playful (laughs) like you (laughs) are a big kid just like i am and and i love that part again because we both appreciate the lightsabers and x-wings But then you drop stuff like this and I'm like, but jazz also understands the heart of star Wars. And that's what continues to inspire you, uplift you and give you hope. Um, right. And I just love the fact that you have this journal and you know, so I mean, it's like your epiphany journal. It really is. You know,
1: it's like my, like, huh, that's kind of interesting. That's a good idea. That's like, I wonder why. Yeah.
0: Do you ever do you ever go back and, like, read old entries?
1: So what I usually do is, like, for example, I would write, what is the name of the Rodian secretary in Palpatine's office? I'll write that down as I'm watching it. And then afterwards, I'll go on Google and I'll check it up. And I haven't actually done it because that was, like, one of the questions I wrote after we saw it the other day, uh, two weeks ago. And I haven't checked it up yet. So I'll have to check that out. Um, it. So, yeah, check it out every now and then. See what I've written. I love um,
0: that. Yeah. See, like we, it's so funny because we obviously live in a very different world than we did in 97 when you first got that, right? Yeah. Um, in 97, Twitter didn't exist. The internet is not what it is, right? I mean, now we live in a world where people live stream when they're watching a Star Wars thing, right? Like they're not live tweet it, right? Like you can, somebody can, and I've done this. I, I did a, I rewatched the sequel trilogy a couple of weeks ago, like three days in a row because I hadn't done that yet. And I was tweeting all my thoughts as I was watching. And after I did it, I mean, I felt like after I did it for Force Awakens, I had to continue. Um, but I almost didn't like it because I felt like it just – it didn't let me enjoy the movie in the same way either because I, f- like I felt like I had – Yeah, I felt like this obligation to to give my public um, insight. And to be fair, most people didn't even pay attention to it. <laughs> so- Whatever, um, but I also have the advantage of having this podcast right like if any if I ever have like a big idea that comes to me, boom, Jason and I can record an episode um, yeah. and you've got a but, public platform yeah um but i I think what I really love about yours is um to use kind of a more religious term it's it 's just so monastic mm-hmm. um, you know is uh, so it, it, forgive the religious analogy here jazz if, if, if it 's not for you but. Um, yeah. The thing the thing I've always loved about monastic communities, so like Christian monks um, do a practice known as Lexio Divina, which is just a very slow reading of scriptures. And the reason they read it so slowly and spend so much time with it is so that uh, the word of God can inspire them in a new way, right? So the, that the spirit is always working in the text. It's not locked to its old, you know, 2000 year old writing, but it's it's still alive today. And that's why when you told me about that journal, I was like, Jazz is basically doing Lexio Divina with our primary scriptures, the Star Wars movies, right? <laughs> and and I love that because there's such. You're not doing this necessarily because you're trying to get your thoughts out there to necessarily. No, it's like, just for my own. It's just for you,
1: right? Face of mind, kind of.
0: Yeah, and, and and I don't mean this in any way of diminishing folks who who do the like live tweeting stuff. Like that's that's really cool, um, and I think that it, it affords us something new now, right? Like there is a way where we can nor publicly share it because again, like something as simple as Dave Filoni here. Like that's thought he's probably been having for years and we finally heard it. And it's like, thank mm-hmm. God we've heard it. Right. Like we're so lucky to have heard those words. Um, well, so my
1: journal, I always have that next to my Blu-ray discs cause I still watch them on Blu-ray. And whenever I take out my Blu-rays, I take out the journal at the same time.
0: I love it. So that. I have it next
1: to me, got a pen, write stuff down. Yeah. I yeah. do his thoughts.
0: And it's so it, it's something I want to start doing. Like you've inspired me to. Sure. I have this old Star Wars journal that I never write anymore because I used to actually r- handwrite all my notes for the podcast episodes. But it's just easier now to type them up in a Google Drive it, because it's yeah. easier to look at. It's, if I have links, it's easier to click on the links. <laughs> you know, I'm r- handwriting HTTPS co- colon slash slash. No I'm just kidding, <laughs> <laughs> I can't click on it. Um, but uh, no, I you know. um, it just, when you said that jazz, like I, I immediately just thought of like jazz is a star Wars spiritualist and I love it.
1: <laughs> Thank you. I'll take that as a compliment.
0: It is. Yeah. You know, and, and like you jazz, it, it's interesting now that we have Disney plus, right. And we have every single star, almost every single star. Wars thing. Plus. Yeah. What's that? I still don't have Disney plus. Oh, you don't have it. Oh, well, Doesn't you, come you, Norway, you, you don't have it so in Norway. Key. That's right. Good Lord. Yeah. That's wild. Disney Plus. Um, But something I've just gotten into in the last really couple of months. So I I bought myself a record player a little over a year ago now, and I have loved listening to the Star Wars scores on record because, again, there's an I I have to be so intentional. You have to flip the record over. Oh, got to take it off and put the other one on. It changes the experience as opposed to just streaming it on Spotify. And again, it's not a diminishment of one over the other. It's just highlighting the difference of the experience. And something I've been doing more as of late is when I sit down to watch a star Wars movie, I, I have been grabbing my blu-rays or the old DVD to see a little bit of a different version. I actually have, um, I bought this off eBay, but like a, a, a blu-ray copy of the original cuts the, theatrical of the, the theatrical releases from yeah, 70, as well. Right. And, um, someone, so you and I obviously were playing in a, a trivia contest last night, uh, brought, you know, sponsored by scum and villainy. Um, and someone on there, uh, Bob, made this great point about how he, he referenced the original cuts as the King James version, right? So, yes. like talking yes. about how all the Star Wars different versions are different incarnations of different, but they're the same, yeah. the same thing, but in a different way. Exactly, exactly. Um, so, I, you know, I've I've really been enjoying just kind of. Being intentional with like, oh, I'm going to watch the Blu-ray tonight, so I like I grab it off the shelf, which also makes me look at the things on that shelf, you know, which is <laughs> like I've got all the Star Wars stuff on the shelf. Um, so I've just really come to enjoy. Again, I I think a lot of this is um, trying to glean some poz- some positive stuff out of the, the this horrible pandemic right now, right? Like the way we're all so limited with things. I'm also trying to be attentive to the things. That I can do in a new way. And I think this is something in my Star Wars experience that I've really been tapping into in just the past month um, is while life itself is slowed down, it's allowed me to slow down and, and kind of chew a little bit more on Star Wars. And and I just this felony thing really hit my my heartstrings the other day because it shows how we all have such tremendously profound stuff to say about star Wars. Your journal yeah. is chock full of profound stuff about star Wars jazz. That yeah. is unique to you. And we all have that. Right. And, and I think this is what we need to continue to celebrate. Like we were talking about earlier, not wasting our energy on talking about the things that didn't work for us, but let's just, all right, it didn't work for you. Cool. Like whatever, just move well, on well, and, and say and,
1: what and, did work for you. Yeah.
0: And, and, you know, um,
1: one thing, you know, you were talking about Corona and how we've got more time. So I've started rewatching all of the Clone Wars starting from season one. and I am just loving it. Yeah. It is so good. Yeah, know, <laughs> you know, I've seen season one and two in quite a few years now, like four or five years. I thought, I've just seen season seven. Is it going to hold up? And it does. It's so good. Yeah. It is so good. Like the storytelling, the visuals, the animatics, everything is so good. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm just having a blast.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Um Well, Clone Wars is so good. It's so good. Yeah. It really really is. Um But you know what? You know, I think um our Sunday service is wrapping up here. Um yep. I'd like to thank you all for coming for the church to the Church of Star Wars with uh yeah. Pastor Jazz and De- Deacon Carl. Um <laughs> <laughs>
1: I just want to mention one thing that um, before we started recording, I was at my mom and dad's place and I walked over and I was listening to a podcast, which I think you would like. Um, it's called a soundtrack show.
0: Oh, shocking. Shocker.
1: <laughs> I, think, I think you might've heard of it. I'm I, not sure. Yeah, so I've been listening to soundtracks since I was, I've, I've got like soundtracks on LPs from when I was a kid. Nice. On vinyl records. And I would just like to second Carla Claire, Get David W. Collins on the Wampus Lair during the Music mark no Music May, and take part in an episode. Uh, That'd just be so awesome. So I second that.
0: Thank you, buddy. I'm trying. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna. I've, I've sent him one more message. Um, I I know he's extremely busy. It's a stressful time too. He's got a you know a, a young family, Um yep. and he's he also does podcasting for you know part of his work. So I I understand how difficult it'll, it'll be, be. So but good to have him on. It would be. I would just. Cause I would love to hear him talk about the star Wars pieces of music that really, when he talks, him.
1: I don't understand half of what he's saying, but I enjoy all of it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I don't. I, yeah. When he gets into the technical musical stuff, I usually don't fully understand it, um, but I'm not there for that. I'm there still for, because he can, he kind of like we were talking about at the top of the episode jazz, right? I think David W. Collins also has an understanding of star Wars. That's incredibly profound.
1: Right. And because he
0: understands it through the lens of the music and therefore he's got something beautiful to offer all of us in the fan community. Um, So
1: we'll jazz all of it, but I think that I learned quite a bit.
0: Yeah. Oh, I definitely do. I've learned so much. Um, And again, that's what's so great about star Wars, man. It inspired me. It uplifts me and it gives me hope that someday I'll be as intelligent as that. (laughs) Um but yeah seriously buddy thank you so much for taking the time I know it's late for you you also had a late night last night all the way out over in Norway. It was a fun
1: night. This is another fun night. So
0: <laughs> thank you so much for taking the time and and for Thanks sharing for, me, buddy. for sharing the gem of your your journal. And and you know um if you're listening right now and you have any particular um ways in which you like to consume your Star Wars please share it with us. I'd love I love hearing stuff like this. I love to hear how people choose to enjoy their Star Wars. Um so seriously let us know and and you can do that on twitter at wampas lair you can get at us on facebook at wampas lair podcast um and you can always just send it to us in an email um heck if you even want to uh um record a little short mp3 of yourself just talking about something that you do to consume your star wars send it our way maybe we'll play it on the show um but jazz if, if folks wanted to get in touch with you um or if they wanted to see any of your star wars musings is there anywhere they can do that
1: places on Facebook. Um, Jazz, Kopacek, Rathor, K O P E C E K.
0: Good luck. I'm <laughs> there. <laughs> uh, I'm going to tag you in this one. It's posted. Don't worry. Cool, cool, cool. Um, but yeah, so, Jazz, thank you so much for taking the time. Um, on behalf of Jazz, I'm Carl, and we will see you next time here in the Wampus Lair. Yeah.